Parents, you see, teenagers, sometimes it's hard to, to remember that, but teenage, or parents are more than just providers of, of food, and they're also more than just security forces that you have to try sneak around to do what you want, but actually God is speaking to you. He's forming you through your parents. And adults as well need to remember that after you get some independence from your home, your home, your parents, that you never really truly are your own boss. The fifth commandment reveals, and we sang it together, Psalm 93, that God is the highest authority in the whole universe. As emperor of the universe, he is able to grant authority to some people and to call everyone else to honor and submit to them. He has that authority. That is why, that is the way that God created the world. And I preach to you the gospel of Jesus Christ under this theme. The Lord wisely leads you through this life. We'll see three parts that the Lord wants you to trust his wise leadership. We'll see that Jesus Christ did trust in God's wise leadership for us and in our place in the third place, that the Holy Spirit helps us to follow the Lord as he leads us. We see right from the beginning that the Lord wants to lead us in a wise way. And he shows his authority right at the very beginning of Scripture. Actually, the very first words that the Lord spoke to the people he made are command words. He's, he told them to to do something. He said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Genesis 1 verse 28. In order to command something and expect your instruction to be followed, you need to have authority. And right from the beginning of Scripture, we can see that our God is the highest authority in heaven and on earth. He, he not only commands things into existence, when he creates them and commands his creatures to follow him into joyful relationships and satisfying uh, work and diligent worship, he commands all of us to live as his children. God commands us to submit to his authority because he wants us to enjoy his blessing. And part of God's wise leadership includes appointing wise leaders through whom he governs the universe. God wants you to have his blessing and to enjoy it. God commands you to receive that blessing and enjoy it. And God places some leaders in places of, of authority so that you are able to do what he wants. This authority then is an integral part of creation. Even before the fall into sin, the Lord commanded and there needed to be submission. Beyond that, we can see when we study about the angels, it looks like there's a, 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 a gradation of authority, that, that there's, there's some angels that are higher who command and some who are under. You can read, for example, of an archangel, an archangel called Michael, and he is leading forces of angels. So even among the perfection of the angels, we can see that there is authority, leaders, and those who follow. The inherent place of authority and submission in the perfection of creation 
is further illustrated by the fact that God created Adam first and then his wife Eve with the consequence that we read in, uh, in Numbers 5 that the husband is called the head of his wife and 1 Corinthians 11 again and the wife is called to submit to her husband's godly leadership. The manifestation of God's authority among his creatures is even more clearly uh, revealed, defined in the responsibility of parents to bring up their children in the fear of the Lord. And so we see structures of authority, those in submission already in creation, ready before the fall. And it's important to pay attention at this point to see what kinds of people God chose to reflect his authority before the fall. Do you see what kind of people are chosen? What did we talk about? We talked about husbands. We talked about parents. They are people who want the best things possible for the people in their care. Familiarity is the foundation of authority. God wants people in authority to love the people they are leading and to show this love by doing what is best for them and leading them to walk with their creator. And since this happens most naturally in the family, that is also where you see a very good reflection of God's authority. After the fall, when leadership began to involve punish punishment, and the parents themselves had weaknesses and shortcomings, God instituted other offices and gave them authority. However, these civil and spiritual leaders were appointed in order to assist God's children to fulfill their task as Christians and not to take away, not to usurp the authority of the husbands and the parents. The Lord who sits on his eternal throne, he, he honors all fathers and all mothers, all parents, by mentioning them specifically in the fifth commandment. It, it's the model of authority and submission. It would appear that God wants all people to recognize that parents are the most capable of reflecting the authority of the Heavenly Father on the earth because they truly know and they truly love their children and they will seek what is best for them spiritually, emotionally, and even physically. The husband-wife relationship, the parent-child relationship should also serve as models for all those who are in positions of authority. We can think here of office bearers, be like a father, be like a mother to those whom you are caring for. You can think of, of government positions, civil servants like judges, police officers, government ruling, government officials, to be like a father, be like a mother, be like a husband to those whom they are ruling over. God knew what he was doing when he told Adam and Eve he took them and placed them in the garden and told them to have children together. He chose to delegate his authority to the husband and the parents, first of all. And he commands us to follow his leadership, to recognize what he has done. It's the model of how the Lord 
chose to govern us. Our Lord Jesus shows what it looks like to trust in God's wise leadership to apply these principles even after the fall, and we'll see that. The second point, that Jesus Christ trusted in God's wise leadership for us and in our place. Where do we see the Lord Jesus as a child? Well, you know the New Testament, you know there aren't very many passages that talk about the Lord Jesus as a child. Striking, actually, that the only passage that speaks about Jesus' obedience to the fifth commandment as a child describes a situation in which our Lord Jesus was 12 years old and he actually seems to disappoint his parents. After about four days, they realize that Jesus wasn't with them, wasn't with their traveling group, or after a day, they realize that, and and five days later, they, they find him in the temple, and Jesus' mom said to our Lord, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and your mother, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And when we read that, maybe you thought that this afternoon, Luke 2, verse 48, when you read that, you you ask the question, had, did Jesus sin against his parents and against the Lord himself by breaking the fifth commandment? And you know right away the answer, of course not. He, the Lord Jesus was sinless. He was, he was perfect. That's an important principle that's repeated many times in the New Testament. And then we realize that we can look at this passage to see what it means to obey the fifth commandment and what it doesn't mean. Jesus was sinless. Jesus obeyed the fifth commandment in Luke 2, verses 41 to 52. You look closely at the passage, you can see some things that help you to understand how that works. You can see in verse 44 that his parents did not know that he had stayed behind, but they supposed him to be in the group. And our Lord Jesus was growing in wisdom. He was not yet familiar with how his parents usually did things. He did not know their expectations. They supposed one thing, and our Lord Jesus did not know it. Reminds us that although parents might be disappointed with their child's inability to read their minds, unspoken expectations and or assumptions about correct behavior if they're unspoken, they're not, they cannot be disobeyed. Willful disobedience means that a child knows better, but he or she refuses to follow instructions. The Lord Jesus talks about that in the parable of the two sons. Maybe some of the children here today were at the VBS, the Vacation Bible School, is one of the parables you studied, the two sons. And then one of the children said, I, I will go, but he didn't go. And the other said, I will not uh, help out, and then he ended up going. And that, that first son was disobedient because he knew better, but he willfully said, no, that's not the picture that we have in Luke 2 with our Lord Jesus. In fact, Luke carefully explains in verse 51 that Jesus Christ was submissive to his parents. And the gospel message, even as we read this, is that Jesus Christ has obeyed the fifth commandment for us. As a child, that's a great encouragement. Sometimes we disobey our parents. We might wonder, well, what is, what is God going to be angry with me forever? And you can know it's not the case at all. Jesus Christ obeyed that fifth commandment for you in your place. And so 
God sees you as righteous in Jesus Christ. And then we see that our Lord Jesus replies to his parents. And we, re, re, we understand right away that it's not a sin against the fifth commandment for a child to reply to his parents who have expressed their disappointment in him or her. And Jesus' reply was in perfect obedience to the fifth commandment. And in fact, clearly describes the full meaning of what it means to obey the fifth commandment. He asks his parents why they were searching for him, why they didn't know that he needed to be in his father's house. If they were going to suppose anything, they should have supposed that he would be in the temple because that's where he needs to be. Already as a child, our Lord Jesus recognized that the highest parental authority in his life was the Father in heaven. We could even say that he honored his earthly father and mother by being in his heavenly father's house. After Jesus began his ministry, he would remind his mother at the wedding of, in Cana that he was first of all a servant of the Lord, his heavenly father. That's in John 2 verse 4. And then later Jesus taught children of all ages, young and, and old, he said to them that as Christians we need to honor God first of all. And he says, even before father and before mother. And so when we repent of the sin of willfully disobeying our parents' instruction, specifically as children, and when we are sorry for not submitting to their good instruction with due obedience. And, and this really speaks to teenagers. And when we confess that we have dishonored our parents by making their expectations more important than growing in our relationship to our Heavenly Father, and, and many of us adults do that, then we can be comforted to see that Jesus Christ was perfectly submissive to his parents. He obeyed that fifth commandment perfectly for us and in our place. And in him, we have true righteousness. The Lord Jesus also exemplified perfect obedience to the fifth commandment as one who is in authority. In the verses, now you have to flip to Luke 22. When, when you look at the verses we read in Luke 22, he makes it clear that the leader who receives his authority from God will not be a leader who's always seeking power and lordship and honor as a benefactor, but he is, he becomes one who serves, like one who serves at the table. How can a person in authority serve those whom he is leading? By allowing them to experience what it is like to have God the Father as their king, to have the Father in heaven speaking to those under their authority through them. Now that, that's the goal, that's the aim of all those in positions of authority. Our Lord Jesus said in Luke 22 verse 29, I assign to you as my Father assigned to me a kingdom. 
In John 5, it's, it's many times repeated, verse 19, verse 30, verse 43, the Lord Jesus says in many different ways that he comes in his Father's name to speak the words of his Father and to do the will of his Father. When you see that, we recognize our own sins when we repent as parents of the sin of using our authority to force the people we are leading to obey our wills rather than God's will. Or when we as office bearers confess to God that we sin when we do not come beside people in our teaching and our visiting in the name of the Lord. Or when we as employees, employers, I should say, like the bosses, employers, and government officials, when we are sorry before God for seeking power or lordship or personal honor rather than seeking to serve those in our care. And when we as husbands break the fifth commandment by failing to lead in love, then we can turn to the Gospels, to the Gospel. And we can be comforted to know that our Savior, Jesus Christ, was a perfect authority in the lives of all those who were entrusted to him. And he did this for us. He did this in our place. It's the gospel that we cling to, even in our weakness. He did this so that we would not have to be punished for provoking our children and others under our authority to anger. As Ephesians 6 verse 4 says, failing to bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And since it was God's plan to exalt our Lord Jesus Christ to be Lord over every person in heaven and on earth and under the earth, Jesus also showed his obedience to the fifth commandment by submitting himself to God's will and taking his seat upon the eternal throne as our king. Jesus Christ received the authority that had been given to him by his Father. And right now, brothers and sisters, from his throne in heaven, he is head over all things for his church, through whom the Father governs all things. Jesus Christ trusted in God's wise leadership with such perfection that he became the mediator, the judge, the king who will fully carry out God's will until, as we read in 1 Corinthians 15, everything is put into subjection to him. Under his authority, the day will come when all God's enemies are vanquished and the full number of God's elect will be brought together. The triune God will be all in all. And at that time, we read that all those who submit themselves to God's wise leadership, to the leadership of Christ our Savior on his throne, all of you will, will join the disciples who stayed with him in his trials that he speaks about in Luke 22. You'll eat and drink at his table together with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the king who served them will gather them. And the Holy Spirit today 
helps us to see the gospel of the Savior who obeyed the fifth commandment for us, now ruling as Lord of of heaven and earth. And the Spirit leads us, works within us to, to desire to follow this Lord who leads us also in obedience to the fifth commandment. The Holy Spirit makes us certain. We gives us that faith. We don't doubt it for a second that as we read in Colossians 1, Jesus Christ our Savior is preeminent. He is surpassing all things in his power and his majesty. All things we, we, we believe, we, we confess together at Colossians 1, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the one we call our Lord, our Savior. And so when we realize that he is the authority behind everything, we know, as the Spirit leads us, that when we are faced with our mummy or our daddy or elder so-and-so or that honorable civil servant, We see a person, but we know that Jesus Christ, the preeminent one, is standing beside him as the one who appointed him or her to that position. And then after the Holy Spirit has shown us that the Lord himself is is leading us through these servants, he also makes us willing to honor the instruments that he appointed, whether they be the friendly people that we call husbands, or parents, or teachers, or office bearers, or the less familiar civil servants in government and in law enforcement positions. To honor a leader means to recognize that they have been appointed by God, your Savior, Jesus Christ, who's on his throne. And to respect them so that they can fulfill their task. And as the catechism says so beautifully, submit myself with due obedience to their good instruction and discipline, having patience with their weaknesses and shortcomings. We pray often to be led by the Spirit in obedience to the fifth commandment. Now to honor authority does not mean to obey leaders, all leaders at all costs. We do not want to be instruments in the hands of ungodly leaders as they attack God. And we do not want to enable people who are actively working to harm God's people. We already saw in Luke chapter 2 that just causing someone in authority to be disappointed in you, well, that's not a sin. Our Lord Jesus even had that his parents were astonished, he were disappointed in him. But the scriptures go even further when the apostle Peter justified outright obedience to the spiritual leaders of his day. You can read about it in in Acts 5 verse 29, but I'm sure that most of you know the verse very, very well where Peter says, we must obey God rather than men. When the commands, the wishes, of the authorities in our lives, when it disagrees with God's commands, we know what we need to do. Peter said it, the Holy Spirit says that we must obey God rather than men. The Holy Spirit 
does not lead women to follow their husbands into sinful lifestyles. God doesn't oblige children to accept and support their parents when they live in sin. Silence is not a spiritual virtue when sin is being committed by the spiritual or the civil authorities in our lives. Rather, the Holy Spirit leads us to honor those in authority by giving true and honest support. That is, by speaking the truth in love. As long as our democratic system allows public consultation, I was about to add so-called, but as long as it allows public consultation, as long as it allows us an opportunity to, to state what we believe, and even depends on this public interaction, we have an, op an opportunity and a responsibility to honor those in authority over us by teaching, by presenting, by proclaiming the truth of God's word in the public sphere, or by supporting those organizations that are involved with this. It's a part of obeying the fifth commandment. And when the Holy Spirit leads us in obedience to the fifth commandment, he also helps us to recognize that our authority, our authority is limited to particular and specific settings. When God gives you, when God gives us authority to do something, whether it's a, as a husband or as a parent or as an office bearer or as a, as a civil uh, ruler, it doesn't actually change who we are. It doesn't actually make one person superior or more worthy than others. But it's like giving someone a job, like giving someone a responsibility. When the mantle of authority is placed upon our shoulders, we have a call, a job, to simply reflect the will of God, to show the love of the Father to those who are under our care. The mantle of authority, sometimes even symbolized with the laying on of hands, it doesn't change a person inwardly, but it does indicate who the agreed-upon leader of a particular group is, that the jurisdiction or the sphere of influence is different for every person. You can think to yourself, where am I in authority? In what areas of my life am I called to be the leader, to be the authority? And then we have to think about that and recognize the limitations of that. Just as a parent of a child in one family does not have authority over the, the parents of a, of a child, of a child, does not have authority over the child's parents in another family, so also every authority is limited by his or her God-given mandate. And when the Holy Spirit lives in the hearts of those who are in authority, he guides them in obedience to the fifth commandment so that they love the people they must lead as God loves them. The Holy Spirit gives people in authority the humble desire to serve the people they are leading, to seek their well-being. And do you know what the result of that is? It's a joy to follow godly leaders.
Love and service on the part of those in authority is first. And submission and obedience are second and derivative. When the Holy Spirit lives in the hearts of those who are called to submit to authority, he gives them a desire to show, as we confess, all honor, all love, and all faithfulness to all those in authority over them, just as they love and honor the God who gave them this authority. And although it is hard for one sinner to follow the leadership of another sinner, when the Holy Spirit lives in our hearts, he helps us to lead, he helps us to follow the Lord as he leads us through the different people he places over us. And as we again see this, the Holy Spirit leads us to pray that God will continue to help us to grow in our trust of God's wise leadership as we praise him as our sovereign king. Amen.